1: Welcome to the theheritageradionetwork.com. I'm Linda Palaccio, your host of A Taste of the Past, where each week we take you on a journey through culinary history. We're broadcast live every Thursday at noon, or you can log on to heritageradionetwork.com and search the archives for any of our shows and play them at any time. And I want to remind you, too, that you can call in at 718-497-2128. And our sponsor today is Fairway, like no other market. We are very pleased to have Fairway as our sponsor. And um, on today's show, uh, A Taste of the Past, uh, you might be tuning in and listening to this, who knows, next March, I don't know. But um, (laughs) today we're live, and it's December, December 17th. So we're really in the midst of uh, the holiday season. And I thought I would um, talk a little bit about the holiday season because we have a guest who's going to talk about drinking and what else happens during the holiday season. A lot of drinking happens during the holidays. <laughs> God, season. I hope so. <laughs> uh, and it, interesting because it, it always was a festival like that. We actually Christmas time was not celebrated. A lot of people attribute Christmas celebration as we know it now to to Charles Dickens, really, in, you know, in 1843. You know, he set the stage and the Christmas carol. and Really, Christmas was not a major celebration in England or any part of, of Europe. Um, th- they always celebrated. People back into the ancient Roman times celebrated the winter solstice or the celebration of the sun, Saturnalia. Uh, and that was always a, a huge celebration um, in in many cultures for centuries. Um, but not until really the 1800s did. actually Constantine I mean, you know when Constantine uh, converted to Christianity he was one of the first to try to bring a celebration of of the Christian birth of Jesus in with the with the festival of the pagan festival of the winter solstice that really didn't take off that was you know back in what 1800 i mean eight hundred uh six hundred between eight six hundred and eight hundred a d that really didn't take off um but so it really the celebration began to grow and it really wasn't until the um, the early 19th century that that Christmas time and the holiday season as we know it and call it took off in force and we have the major celebrations so today we have a very special guest to talk about um, not just the holiday season of drinking but we associate holiday seasons with punch often you go to parties and there's always a punch so we have somebody here today who's going to give us the lowdown and the background of punch and his name is david wondrich so when we come back i'll tell you more about him and we'll look forward to talking about punch Welcome back to a taste of the past on heritageradionetwork Our guest today is David Wondrich, and David is one of the nation's foremost authorities on the history of the cocktail and I say that very confidently because I've known David for quite a while and tasted a lot of his cocktails <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but to his to his credentials are a list of of um, of supporting um uh, events and one of them in particular is that he was the founding member of the Museum of the Cocktail, which opened in 2005 in New Orleans. And he, as a former English professor, he has taken off to doing a lot of writing. And he wrote um, *Esquire Drinks*, an opinionated and irreverent guide to drinking, as well as a new edition of Jerry Thomas's 1862 *How to Mix Drinks*, or the Bon Vivant's Companion, which was the first cocktail book ever written and, um, back in 1862. And I'll let David tell us more about that. Um, and David, you can chime in on your past about different things. But what, um, I, I chose David to talk particularly about punch. He had done an, another program for the Culinary Historians of New York about punch. And, and I was so impressed with his depth of knowledge that I said, oh, it would be a great radio program. And what I would like to do before I speak to him directly is read you a quote of something that David wrote in The Snail, which is a journal of Slow Food USA, and he named it The Flowing Bowl. Punch has become a catch-all. A random assortment of sliced fruits and soft drinks charged up with beverage alcohol, sweetened without mercy, And ladled into tiny handled couplets grasped precariously by people who would rather be drinking just about anything else. Yet for almost two centuries, from the late 17th to the mid-19th, it was the sovereign ruler of the kingdom of mixed drinks, a noble compound whose assembly was an art governed by exacting rules and rewarded by fame and money. And David, this kind of leads us right into the fact that you are in the midst of writing a book on punch. Is that right?
2: Uh, Absolutely. The uh, presentation I did for you and the article I wrote for The Snail kind of got me interested in this. And uh, I intended in my last book, the book about Jerry Thomas, to have a huge section on punches because he had one. And it turned out the more I looked into it, the more I realized that the story of Punch was not an American one; it was an English one, and it really didn't fit into the Jerry Thomas book. So I mm-hmm. reserved it, and now I'm trying to uh, turn that into a book, and I'm almost done with it. Thank God, mm-hmm. and uh, hope we'll see what happens with that. But
1: did Punch Punch was <clears throat> has a broader background than just English, right? I mean, we we, we, we read recipes from Punch from many countries. And-
2: well, there's Punch and there's Punch. Uh, we many many countries had uh, recipes like uh, uh, hippocross, which was a French thing, a spiced wine. There were lots of spiced wines and spiced thises and that's and mixed drinks with uh, based on ale and mead and so on and so forth. But True Punch was the first mixed drink to uh, achieve, let's say, global popularity based on distilled spirits. And uh, it was an English invention as far as as discoverable.
1: When you say it was, I mean, it was governed by exacting rules and rewarded by fame and money. I mean, people were paid to, to mix punches? Oh,
2: there were punch houses all over uh, the English colonies in the East, all over the English colonies in the West Indies, and soon by the late 1600s, all over England itself. And the proprietors of these places, of the famous ones, had long and uh, important careers. They were the first uh, celebrity mixologists. And, uh, you know, as such, it was a good living if you were a, a man like, uh, let's say, James Ashley who opened the London Punch House in 1731 and died uh, many, many years later, a prosperous and uh, well-respected man in a, in a local institution.
1: Hmm. Interesting. The, um, when, uh, when did it become this fruity i had to laugh when i was reading the the article people who would rather be drinking just about anything else you know you go to holiday parties or you know any kind of parties wedding receptions or whatever and there's always that there's always that inevitable bowl of punch mm-hmm. and people te- seem to steer clear of it and go to you know the table with the alcohol when did it become this fruity syrupy
2: yuck well starting in the, in the victorian era punch began began to get displaced uh it comes into England in the 1680s from the colonies and from abroad. It really becomes popular. And for a good hundred and almost 150 years, it was a dominant social drink. And as such, people drank a lot of it. That meant that uh, you, it, it, it's like the old, uh, there was an old American uh, gambler's thing that you would bet somebody they couldn't eat a quail a day for 30 days. And you would think, Oh, that's so easy. A tiny little quail, no problem. But, you know, quails are kind of gamey, and after about day eight, you're pretty sick of quail. <laughs> and by about day fifteen, you're extremely sick of it. And, uh, you know, the, something kind of similar happened to punches, uh, Once it fell out of daily use, people started, you know, in the Victorian era, they didn't have time to sit around and drink bowls of punch and get sozzled all day. They had to go out and work. Uh, And once it fell out of daily use, it became a special occasion thing. And so people started tarting it up because it was a special occasion. They'd put more fruit in it or more uh, spices or splash in all kinds of rare liqueurs and things like that. And it becomes pretty cloying. Once you do that, indeed. And the original punch is very simple. And uh, I actually brought some that uh, we we shall we'll taste a little bit later. But uh, it's uh, it's a noble beverage, and it's not uh, it's by no means fruity. Let's say.
1: Well, in the in the job of those in in the um, let's say the late uh, seventeenth century, eighteenth early eighteenth century, who were actually paid and ruled to mix. I mean, this was the um, the royal court was hired and assigned people to be punch mixers. Uh,
2: well, the the royal court not so much, although uh, because uh, uh, punch was a little low and a little bit sporty for royalty. <laughs> uh, however, gentlemen of all sorts, uh, the the younger, sportier set uh, uh, certainly drank it, uh, uh, and uh, eventually it even infected the royal court. Uh, George the Fourth, the Prince Regent, George the Third's son, uh, was a famous punch drinker too. Uh, excess by all means and he had his he had his uh mr madison who made him punch and bottled it up for him and uh, and uh but that that was a good century later in in the early days punch was still something a little bit loose and uh it, it was good for uh young gents out on a spree but it wasn't uh it, it wasn't a formal
1: thing well you mentioned that you brought some punch what so what was what was the um what were the early punches really made of that we would we recognize
2: originally it was a very simple drink it was uh, spirits and you know they only had several certain kinds of spirits were used in it that's partly because that's all they had uh in its its origins it goes back to the english english uh, colonial experience the english trade with india and indonesia and and, and so they it, it, when it was invented it used local spirits uh uh, either distilled from rice or molasses or uh, uh, some combination of those uh, or palm tree sap, oh. palm wine, which would be distilled in India. And so that stuff is all collectively known as Arak. That was the original Arak, right. the original spirit for punch. And then when it moved to, to England, those things became very expensive. And uh, they switched to smuggled French brandy or... Uh, rum from the Caribbean or even uh, whiskey out in Ireland and up in Scotland.
1: Well, Arak, is, isn't is that having a sort of a renaissance now? Are there people producing that?
2: It's come today? back to the U.S. I mean, Arak is a blanket term for any spirit from, I mean, it's like saying liquor. It's an, an, any spirit from the Middle East out out through Indonesia is Arak. And uh, the kind that we mostly know is the Middle Eastern type which is uh, an anise set basically but uh, in mm. the east it's it's not sweetened or or flavored with anything other than what it's made from and that's t- that's starting to come back into the US after a very long time.
1: Well, why don't we let we try a little bit of what you've brought here and uh, I, I, Let see. me let's see uh, it's in an
2: elegant uh, punch bowl we shall pretend. Right. Uh, if I can tell you the
1: plastic bottle he's pouring it from.
2: There's a little splash for you Okay. and a little splash for me. And, and uh, is there something appropriate cheers.
1: we say? Cheers. Uh, uh, cheers is always chin, good. Uh, uh, Wasail. Wasail. Okay. And you're going to hear me slurp here. Remember, it's still only noon and I'm drinking. <laughs> whoa, whoa. That's a strong punch. <laughs> this is a strong punch, yes. Uh,
2: but the solution then is to add a little water to it which was uh always the case
1: Punch okay it. we're going to we're going to add a little water to this and we will continue with our wassail when we return welcome back to Heritage Radio network.com i'm linda palaccio and you're listening to a taste of the past with our special guest david wondrich a drink historian and we're in the midst of our holiday celebration of a little wassail you know it's interesting i was i was thinking, what is wassail anyway you know I hear all these songs about here we come a caroling and and to you your wassail too and it turns out wassail was basically a, a an old english greeting right about mm-hmm. a salutation to good health and of course when you salute somebody to good health you usually give them a cup of something i, right? I should hope so yeah <laughs> so so from saluting someone to good health it turns out to then, in popular meaning, take on this meaning of a huge punch bowl, the wassail mm-hmm. Bowl. Right? Absolutely. I, mean, <laughs> I guess they had a lot of people to greet, so they uh, had a uh, big bowl. You know,
2: they lived in, in communities. Uh, it, it took a village to empty the bowl. Okay.
1: Well, we were, just before we went to break, um, we're in good spirits now, just before we went <laughs> to break, uh, Dave poured us a sample of what would have been a historic punch, and so saute- and, and I think it just knocked my head off. What? Tell me what's in this punch. <laughs> well, uh,
2: not enough water for one thing, and that okay. was my mistake. I'll talk about that in a moment. But uh, we have Indonesian arak in here, Okay. Jamaican rum, um, sugar, brown sugar, you know, dark raw sugar, lime juice, water, and nutmeg. <laughs> Whoa, this is not
1: the punch you usually drink at those baby showers, let me tell you. (laughs) No, no,
2: this is is punch for people who like to drink. But, however, I didn't put enough water in it, and uh, that's important. Because punch, when it came out, when it was uh, first achieved popularity, the whole point of it is... Was that it shouldn't be too strong, that it should be like wine. It was a way of making artificial wine. Oh. It was a way of taking distilled spirits, which were considered, uh, let's say, low base and therefore disgusting, and turning them into something a gentleman could drink.
1: And of course, ice would not have been uh, an issue. Would, not would very not much, been used. They,
2: not, not used. Very, very it, if available, it would have been used because they did ice things, but it was rare.
1: Mm-hmm. So it would be diluted with
2: water, and mm-hmm. it could be served hot. You could do it with boiling water. Uh, Uh, cold as we're having it or pretty much room temperature Mm -hmm. and uh the whole the whole point of it was that uh, it shouldn't be so pungent that you can't drink a lot of it it should be toned down to the point where it just slides down smoothly with enough of the tang of the spirits to make it industry interesting and the uh, acidity of the citrus there to kind of restore some of that uh acidity we get in a good wine
1: well it i mean it does it aside from being very strong it tastes really good i mean the combination of the citrus and the and the brown sugar with the with the alcohol works um and that is one of the problems i know a lot of people complain about with today's punch any kind of punch they do whether they do a champagne mm-hmm. punch or a you know a, a a rum punch is that it tastes so good it slides down a little too fast and a little too easily (laughs)
2: it's hugely intoxicating in the long run i mean the idea is that you shouldn't have just one glass of it you should have about 20 and uh i've been looking through the records of the old bailey the uh london criminal courts from the 1800 1700s rather and uh it turns out a gentleman had a, a horrible uh propensity to drink too much of this, and then they would get quarrelsome, and seeing as they all wore swords at the time, there was an awful lot of people who stuck each other at the, in the middle of the night with their swords and then went to trial for their lives over over punch.
1: Wow, <sighs> little, little has changed. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: It's, uh, you know, it, there, there is that side to punch as well. It's, uh, it's a little bit uh, rambunctious and rowdy and uh, should be respected.
1: Well, did it, in fact, fall out of favor over the years, I mean, legally or or in any way, I mean, other than in the United States prohibition? But um, tell, bring, well, bring me along a little you bit. Know, on you know, once you get into
2: the mid-19th century, that sort of heavy drinking, boozy behavior uh, starts to become problematic, uh, particularly in England with the Victorian years. There are new standards of propriety. Uh, gentlemen and aristocrats can't just lay around all day... Uh, drinking drinking bowls of punch and riding roughshod over the rest of the population they had to uh, they had to at least maintain some sort of uh uh sense of propriety whether whether or not uh, whatever they were doing behind closed doors is another matter but they had to you know kind of behave publicly and uh that that was a one aspect another is industrialization and a changing pace of city life uh meant that uh, you needed to be a little more sober than uh, you couldn't be just uh, drunk from noon on as, or, or from the morning on, as was often the case. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, was punch ever, um, you said industrialization coming along, was punch ever bottled in, you know, like a pre-mixed form? Well,
2: that was one of the things that that a household would do in, uh, is, is to mix up huge vats of punch. Like making your own wine. Like making yeah. your own wine, and then you would bottle it and lay it down in the cellar, and it would keep just like wine does, and uh, you would pull it out and heat it up and maybe add some more water to it to... Uh, Bring it down to, uh, to drinkable proof. But uh, bottled punch was a common thing, especially bottled milk punch, which was a... Uh, Ooh, like a whiskey, a whiskey what, milk well, punch? Well, it would or? be brandy mostly, brandy, brandy or rum, and you would pour milk into a hot bowl of punch and watch it curdle, and then you strain out the curds. And uh, that leaves
1: must have tasted better than it sounds. Oh, it, it's absolutely
2: delicious! I have to say, okay. it really is smooth and, and round and, and, and delightful, and it keeps for a now. Long is this
1: time. you? You mentioned Bailey's um, uh, um, list of, of uh, events, but that Bailey's—that's not the same Bailey's that got into the liqueur menu? Oh, no, no, yeah. no, different, Afra Afra pen. Pen. yeah. yeah. Because I was thinking of a cream milk-based uh, drink. No, this this Bayless. didn't,
2: the, the the old milk punch, which was actually uh, invented by, supposedly, by Mrs. Aphra Bain, who was uh, one of the great characters of the 17th century, and uh, has not only was she, she the first uh, woman writer in English to make a living with her pen, she was also one of the founding mothers of mixology, it turns out, which is great. Oh, interesting. And uh, the, the, the whole point of this is that it doesn't have the cream in it. It doesn't have that sort of milkiness to it. It just, uh, the, the milk acts as a smoothing agent on, on the spirits. And uh, it makes for a very uh, delightful and smooth punch without having that heavy creaminess to it.
1: Well, you said that she was popular in the late 17th century. When, when do you attribute the first... Punch, I mean, like a punch being um, a popular drink. When do you attribute that? Well, it's
2: first invented sometime in the early 1600s, as far as we can tell. And then it's uh, a a sailor's drink and a drink at the various English commercial outposts in India and Indonesia. Then it moves to the American colonies because uh, there's a lot of sea traffic in between. And then from there... It moves to England and it really doesn't appear in England until the 1660s and doesn't really catch on for another 10 or 15 years Hmm. at which point it becomes pretty much universally popular.
1: Why do you think um, Punch found its place on the table? Uh, Mostly at just holiday time and celebrations in, in let's say modern day times, you know, late early 20th century, I would imagine.
2: Uh, well, I think people had a, ha, always ha, kind of had a memory that's been passed down of how fun it is and how great a punch party is. Mm. They just lost a lot of the know-how mm. over the years. So they tried to recreate it and they and and the way it's mostly made now is kind of, a, it's a large cocktail. It's a little too strong. It's uh, a little too highly flavored to uh, uh, be satisfying for, you know, a, a long evening of drinking it. But, uh uh, I, I think, nonetheless, the that idea of the communal beverage and and the uh, the sort of the focus the bowl as the focus for a party has definitely remained in people's minds. Mm-hmm. Well, uh,
1: you actually mixed for us at at an event, um, an individual glasses of punch. You did individual servings of punch that you mixed, much like a bartender would do exactly. a, a cocktail. Uh, that goes. That also
2: goes back. Uh, you could get punch in almost any size from a, a large glass of it to a very large bowl of it. Uh, you know, if you went into a, a punch house in London in, say, 1720, that's you, you would have a full range of things like that. Mm-hmm. But the bowl was the part that really caught people's imagination. Right. right. That was the fun part.
1: Uh-huh. And when did, and so, well, being the drink historian, you'll know the answer, when did people really start going more for the individual mixed cocktails, like the, you know, Martinis, or
2: it's an American thing, and yeah. it really comes in the early 19th century here, and those habits of individualism and uh, also, in some way, temperance, because you can stop it. You, you when you have to get your drink by the individual dose, you can stop. If it's uh, in a big bowl in front of you, you tend to drink it until it's gone. <laughs> <Not> I <going, right? laughs> no, it, 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 that's one of the dangers of punch, and it, it really it's a, it's an American thing and. Uh, it spreads back to across the water to to England and Europe by by the late nineteenth century.
1: Huh. Well, the um, punches. I mean, there are what punches that you would consider um, classified as as respectable punches have had the longest. Life, in other words, forget our mm. fruity punches. Our you know Seven Up in the in the mix punch.
2: Well, uh, I think one of the oldest in circulation is Philadelphia Fish House Punch, which uh, goes to the uh, originally the colony in Skullkill and then the state in Skullkill once uh, uh, after the Revolution. Which claimed to be an an independent uh, English colony and then an independent American state. And all it was was a bunch of Philadelphia gents who got together uh, around a large punch bowl and some (laughs) griddles and uh, have been doing it since sometime in the mid-1700s. And their punch is still uh, widely disseminated and uh, quite effective. Oh, interesting. And it's a very old style of punch.
1: Well, we will enjoy this holiday season with punch like we've never known it before. (laughs) And I thank you for, let's click this so we can Click this, hear it. wassail. Okay. What? Wassail. Wassail to you, too. And I thank Dave Wondrich, and I thank Fairway, our sponsor, for bringing us this program today. And once again, you're listening to theheritageradionetwork.com.